0: Welcome to Bangalore Revival Centre a church dedicated to loving God and serving people. Today, Pastor Pridji continues to teach from the new series Emmanuel with a heart for hosting God's presence in our lives. We believe this word will be a blessing to you. Let's go to John chapter 11 and verse 3. It says the two sisters they sent a message to Jesus telling him, "Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So this is speaking about Lazarus, right? And who is, who is the two sisters? Mary and Martha. And they are sending a message to Jesus saying, your dear friend is very sick. I'll tell you a key to have access to the heart of God when you're praying. Pray using your identity. What is your identity? Who are you? What is your relationship with God? What do how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself as what God has said about you? What do you think God has spoken about you? What is God's declaration over your life? It says they didn't say our brother is sick. What did they say? Your friend Lazarus is sick. So you need to come. You need to please come and help us with this. And, uh, you know, if we in this season, if, if we can just lay off everything else, every other title that we have. You know, we have a lot of titles, right? We have a lot of um, yeah. things that we can bank on. We'll say, okay, I'm a father, I'm a pastor, I'm a husband, I'm a, uh, you know, employee, I, I do this, I do that. All of these gives us identity in human relationships but when you come to God if you can exercise the identity that you have in your relationship with God in your relationship with Jesus that is the that is the identity which will give you access into the heart of God and here they say Lord your dear friend he is sick but what is Jesus response it says but when Jesus heard about it he said Lazarus sickness will not end in death no it happened for the glory of god so that the son of god will receive glory from this so jesus response was not one of okay wow there is a problem let's quickly fix this his response was saying this is something that is going to bring glory to the father this is something that is going to bring glory to the son so This problem is not a bad problem. This problem is is not a challenge, it's not an issue. This is a problem where we will focus and we, we we will not immediately do anything, we will wait and we will let this problem become worse. I'll tell you this, your success, it'll depend greatly, it'll depend so much on how you're able to determine and identify those circumstances in your life that are meant for the glory of God. There are some circumstances in your life that you need to actively, quickly run and do something about it. And there are other circumstances of your life that you shouldn't be doing anything about and you should just withdraw and just wait and watch and see the glory of God in action. Your success will depend on how much you're able to identify those things in your life that you should not be putting your hands into, that you should not be rushing to do anything about, that you should not be, you know, fixing. We, you know, as uh, especially men, we, we are fitzers. We want solutions, right? Immediately. Something is going wrong. Let me go and fix it. And yes, it's a good thing. You know, God has given us His wisdom, God has given us His grace to fix things. And yet Jesus in this place He said This particular problem I'm not going to fix This particular problem I'm going to let it become worse I'm going to not answer This particular prayer Because this is not An ordinary This this is not just a problem for you This is a solution For a lot of other things This is going to bring Glory to God So in this season You need to identify Some of those things in your life Where you know you can't do this on yourself. But if you let it go and the Lord takes over, man, and if God answers that and if God does it, you know this is going to be for the glory of God. So those things you need to learn how to just withdraw and not do anything about it. And when you see, when you turn back and you see, man, I could never have done this in a hundred million years if I would have tried this in my own strength. But if you would just let it go, the Lord will do His work. And when He does His work, there are two people in this place that experience glory. Jesus said, This is also for the glory of God. He's referring to His Father. And He says, And it is also for the glory of the Son. So there are two people who can experience glory when you let things go God's way. You can either push for things to go your way or you can either let it happen God's way. And when you let it happen God's way, there are two people who can experience glory. One is God will get the glory out of what is happening in your life. And second, you will also get the glory. See, sometimes we think that God doesn't want to share his glory with anybody, which is true. God, God will not share his glory with anybody. That is, if you try to run after that glory, if you try to steal that glory, if you try to, uh, you know, take that glory on your own, he will not. But if if you will just take a back seat and if you will let God drive some circumstances of your life, you will see how not only will God get the glory out of your situation, but that you will also be glorified in that place. You will also be honored. You will also be highly esteemed. You talk about it throughout scripture. You would find that wherever God is glorified, God would also glorify His sons, His servants. The Bible says if we suffer with Him, it is because we will also be glorified with Him. So it's possible that you and I can be partakers of that glory, partakers of that, uh, that, that uh, blessing, partakers of that very presence that God wants to release upon us. But it is necessary that we will learn to step back when we need to step back. We will learn to slow down when we need to slow down. We will learn to not do certain things. If we have to really experience that glory, see, I'll, I'll take you to this glory in a, in a bit. Let's go further with this story. It says, So, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, one more time, although Jesus loved, one more time, loudly, loudly, I want this to get into your heart, okay, very clearly. It says, So, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he chose to stay where he was for the next two days. I like the details that are given in this scripture. He says, although Jesus loved them, he chose not to answer their prayer. He chose not to make his presence be available for them. He chose not to quickly manifest himself. You know we're talking about God's presence with us right he chose not to go in spite of him loving them in spite of them loving him he chose to withdraw himself from them he chose to keep that distance although he loved them so, so when God's presence doesn't show up, when, when the answers don't show up, when the results don't show up in the exact way that we had imagined it to be, that's not a proof of the lack of God's love for us. That is not God saying, I don't care for you. You know how many times in a, in a, in a week we ask God if you really love me. If you love me, then you have to come. If you love me, you have to go there. If you love me, then you have to, you know, make sure this job comes to me. If you love me, this guy has to say a yes to me, you know. Don't, don't tell me you have not prayed that. I know, I know from your nervous laughter what you mean. If you, really, if you really love me, you know, this has to happen in my way. And the Bible says, although Jesus did love them, Jesus chose not to go. Jesus chose not to make his presence manifest. See, the test of our loyalty to God, the test of our love for God is not when God's presence shows up. It is when his presence does not show up. It is when he doesn't answer all of our prayers. See, we can all worship when his presence comes, right? Yeah. See, there are different levels of the presence of God. One is the presence of God which is available everywhere, all over the world, right? Yes? He's omnipresent. But there is a different level of God's presence where it, His presence begins to manifest. And that is when we, we, it becomes tangible. It begins to touch our senses, different senses, it, it begins to touch our, our, our thought processes. It get, begins to affect us, our visions, our, our physical feelings. Everything gets, gets taken up, get caught up when His presence comes in that level, right? And when He does come in that level, it's very easy to worship Him. It's very easy to just, you know, throw the phone away and just, you know, fall face down in His presence. But you know what is hard? It's hard when you don't, when His presence doesn't come, just remembering the fact that He loves me, just knowing the fact that He still cares for me. He is still the one who who is controlling every detail of my life. Just knowing that fact and surrendering to that presence of God, even when He doesn't show up, even when He doesn't come, that is the test of true love. That is the test of true love. See, when God's presence comes, you actually don't have much option then to worship Him. But when His presence doesn't come, will you remain faithful to Him? Will you remain loyal to Him? Will you still love on Him? Will you still give to Him? Will you still serve Him when you don't feel valued, when you don't feel appreciated, when you don't feel acknowledged, when you don't feel the presence of God? Will you still be at His feet? That's the question here. It says the next verse, when Jesus finally arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Forget about, forget about you know him being sick now. He's not just sick; he is dead out of that sickness. Not only is he dead now; he is buried. He is in the grave. How long? For the last four days. He's been buried in the grave. He's been locked up in a grave. He's been in a grave where Jesus doesn't have access to him and he doesn't have access to Jesus. That's the time when Jesus finally arrives in Bethany. So I'm just going to declare this over whatever is locked up today in your life. Whatever is shut up today in your lives, whatever you think is beyond God's control, beyond the hand of God, beyond what, what whatever I have prayed for. I, I don't think there is any point in praying for this anymore. I don't think there is any point in believing about this anymore. I don't think there is any point in desiring for this anymore. Whatever is locked up in your grave, I speak to those things right now in the name of Jesus. A hope is being released. Right now as you receive my voice, a hope is being released. because God says, it's never too late. Amen. Come on, tell your neighbor, it's never too late. In God's economy, it's never too late. In God's economy, it is never too late. Never. It's never too late. Four days may look really, really late because by now... He is beginning to stink. By now, he is decomposing. Humanly speaking, this is too late. This is, you know, if Jesus had to heal him, Jesus should have come as soon as he heard about this sickness. But in God's economy, it's never too late. So if you're worried about that financial struggle, it's never too late. If you're worried about your marriage not happening, it's never too late. If you're worried about your situations that you feel are locked up in the grave for a really long time, God says it's never too late. But this is my point, okay? Read with me the next verse. It says, when Martha got the word that Jesus was coming, what did she do? She went to meet him. But what did Mary do? But Mary, she stayed in the house. Now... Out of Martha and Mary, who is the most spiritual one? Mary. Are you sure? Yeah. We've all heard about how Mary would be at the feet of Jesus, how she would break the alabaster jar at the feet of Jesus. And yet, when the news came that Jesus is finally coming, who responded? Martha, Martha is usually the villain in our stories, right? Don't be like Martha, be like. And look at this story. The Bible says Martha was the one to respond. Martha, it says, she went and she she responded to the presence of Jesus that was coming close. Whereas Mary, she decided. It was the reason it says, but Mary, it's, it's to tell you that, hey, Mary also had the option to go, but she chose not to go. But she chose not to respond. In fact, if you read, you know, John chapter 11 later, finally Jesus had to call for Mary to come. And when Mary came and she started crying and weeping, you know what the Bible says? Jesus was angry. Jesus was not angry with Martha, but Jesus was angry when Martha, when Mary finally came. And because Mary, she was a lover, definitely. She was somebody who loved the feet of Jesus. And yet, at this point, the enemy had convinced her that Jesus stopped loving her. That's why she didn't respond. She said, okay, if, if Jesus really loved me, then he would, he would have been there. He would have helped me. At this point, Mary was convinced that Jesus doesn't care about her issues. And the Bible says, Martha, she chose as soon as she saw the presence of God come. As soon as she heard, it says, when Martha got word, she didn't even see Jesus. She just got word that Jesus was coming. And as soon as she got word, she rushed out to meet him. She went out to meet him. She ran to welcome him. See, Martha is also equally grieving like Mary is. It's as much as a loss for Martha as it is a loss for Mary. But Martha, she chose to respond with faith. Whereas Mary, she, she had lost that faith that Jesus still loves her. I'll tell you this. It is, you know, your love for God may be constant, but If your understanding or your revelation of how much God loves you, if that fluctuates, that can directly affect your relationship with God. You should understand this. In the worst of our days, even when we have sinned, His love for us doesn't change. Doesn't mean that He He will not discipline you or He will not help you through the process, or he will not correct you. All of that is part of the process. But his love for you never changes. Here was Martha. She chose to respond to the presence of God in spite of her loss, in spite of her lack, in spite of the fact that she had just lost her brother. So let me read this out to you. Our pursuit of God, if you can, read it with me. Our pursuit of God is tested the most In seasons of unanswered prayers and questions. There are going to be unanswered prayers and questions in our life. And those are the times when our pursuit of God is truly tested. Our pursuit of His presence is truly tested. And I'll tell you this. If we have to see and experience resurrection glory, then we have to allow ourselves to sometimes go through death. We have to allow ourselves to sometimes be buried. You know, we have to allow ourselves to sometimes go through a process of dying. Because Jesus said it like this unless a grain of wheat doesn't fall to the ground and die, if it doesn't die, it remains alone. But if it does die, then it will bear fruit, then it will begin to reproduce, then so many other grains of wheat will come out of that one person that dies, that one dream that dies, that one one tiny ambition that dies, if it falls to the ground and if it dies, if you will allow the Lord to take over, say, God, you can have all the glory. I don't, I don't want to tell a testimony of all the things that I did for you. You can have all the glory. I'm just going to let this go your way. And you continue to pursue His presence even in that death. And you will see how God will answer your pursuit. How God will answer your love for him. The Bible says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, it's not like Martha did not have questions. She did have questions, but she chose to find answers to those questions at the feet of Jesus. Whereas Mary, she was still surrounded by mourners. Mary also has questions. Martha also has questions. Mary chose to continue to express her grief to Mourners, whereas Martha, she came to Jesus and she chose to express this to Jesus, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. My brother. So she is telling a fact. It's true. If your presence would have been there, I've seen you do this before. See, till now, Jesus never really healed or did anything specific for his friends. If you, if you study all the scriptures, he, except for Peter's mother-in-law, you know, he didn't really heal anybody or help anybody that he that was very close to him. Am I right in saying this? Like, is there an exception? Here was the first time, and even Martha, Mary, and Lazarus—they didn't follow Jesus because of what Jesus did for them. They genuinely believed who Jesus was, and they loved him. And they believed that Jesus loved them. And because of that, they were in that deep, close, personal relationship with Jesus. And that is why I believe, this is my perspective, okay? That is why I believe Jesus delayed. Because Jesus could trust these guys to still trust him. Whereas whereas a Roman officer who has no clue about who Jesus is, as soon as he came and called, Jesus was like, okay, I'll come. But a Martha and a Mary, Jesus expected them to still trust Him even when He didn't answer their prayer. Because He knows, I have a relationship with these guys. I know who the... They know who I am and I know their heart and I know that the Father can get great glory out of this situation. Because these guys will persevere with me. Can God find some people like that in our church this morning? That God can say, man, I, you know, like like God did with Job, you know? You know what God did with Job, right? God actually called Satan and pointed to Job saying, here is your next target. Go, try. Let's see what you can get out of him. God was so proud of Job. You know, you may think, oh my God, God was not loving and... No, no, God was showing off his love for Job and Job's love for him. By God showing... By God telling the devil, hey, you, do you, have you noticed my servant Job? Do you know anything about Job? This is how he loves me. This is how much he loves me. And God was so proud about his devotion to him. In fact, Job would say at one point, even if he would slay me, I will still wait on him. And that's why you see resurrection power manifest in Job's life where God blessed him in such crazy measure. And here, the Bible says, Martha is asking a question to God, saying, if only you had been here, this would not have happened. Verse 22, it says, but even now, I know that God the Father, He will give you whatever you ask. So right now, earlier, she would would release a question, her doubt, her fear, and now she's, telling about her, she's expressing her faith, her confession. And she says, Lord, but even now, I really believe that if you would say something, if you you would speak a word, then the Father will answer that. Even now, I believe that. This whole incident has not destroyed my faith. It has not destroyed my belief in God. I still believe. I still trust you. It's been four days. I know how hard it is but I still trust you and then Jesus told her Jesus replied to her your brother will rise again he will indeed rise again your brother whatever was the situation that was was causing you pain that was causing you shame that was causing that stink to rise out of your house the Lord is saying don't worry, your brother will rise again. Your problem shall be solved again. Your, your grave shall be open and you will come out of that grave. He knows how to do it. He is a God who is an expert in giving beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. He's an expert in doing that. He, he knows how to change our clothing. If you have sackcloth on you, he knows how to give you a garment of praise. He knows how to turn your mourning into dancing. So the Lord is speaking this over your life to this morning. He's saying, hey, don't worry. It'll happen. It'll happen. Your answers will come. Then Jesus clarified to her. You know, She, she thought he's talking about the being risen again on the last day. And then Jesus clarified to her, and Jesus now says, Hey, wait a minute. You're not getting my point. What I'm saying is, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. So now Jesus is shifting gears here. Okay? Now Jesus says, No, no, no. You, you you're not getting the point, friend. What I'm telling you is not what what, I will, what will happen to him eventually, what will happen to him naturally, what I'm telling you is that you need to see who I am. I know that you understand Lazarus is my friend, but now you need to know who I am. I am the resurrection and I am the life. Now anybody that believes in me, they will live even after dying. Even after dying. So what, what Jesus is saying is, your death is not your finishing point. We studied something about this last week also, right? How you may die, but your, your, what, what has been born of the Spirit and has been sustained in the Spirit cannot die. The, the things of the Spirit has no expiry date. The things of the Spirit don't die because you, you, you should understand the things of the Spirit is born in resurrection power. Yeah. And that is why it cannot die. That is why Enoch, when he desired to be like God who made him, he couldn't die. He couldn't die. See, the Bible says God created Adam to be like And Adam died. Enoch, Seth died. All of these guys died. But but there was an Enoch who said, no, no, no. I want to pursue becoming like God. I want to pursue his presence. The Bible says he didn't die. He didn't die. He was not. He disappeared, but he didn't die. He was not available for people, but he didn't die. Friends, let me tell you this. What you have, what you and I have access to this morning is not an idea of God. What you, have, uh, you and I have access to is not uh, another religious belief system that, okay, Jesus died for us, Jesus rose again, information that you know need to know to get saved, to get to heaven. No, no, no. What you and I have access to is the raw, real resurrection power of God. That is the power that we have access to. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am everything that you need to bring your Lazarus out of that grave. I am. Not that I will do, but I am. I am all that you need. I am all that you want. I am that. I am the answer. I am the resurrection. I am the one. He is the raw, real resurrection power of God. And that is the power that is available for us this morning, guys. If we will just believe. It says, so, and, and it says, anyone, anyone, anybody in this category, anyone? It says, anyone. It doesn't say Jews. It doesn't say believers. It doesn't say those who regularly go to churches. anyone who believes in him will live even after dying. The next verse. It says, "Everyone who lives in me." Read it with me. Everybody who lives in me and believes. So there are two things you need. Two things that you need to do. One, you need to believe in him, which is to believe the words that he says. When he releases a word, when he releases a revelation, you need to trust that. You need to. You need to arrange. You need to change your lifestyle in accordance to that. Okay. Uh, so you know the real test of your belief is not what you just you know know in your head as information but the information how that information has begun to change your lifestyle that will tell me if you believe in him or not because James said hey you say you believe in God even demons believe in God and they tremble so what is the difference between you and demons How, how you know isn't demons better believers than us don't they know better scriptures than you and us? And, and in fact, you know, you and I, we, we believe in God and we put a leg on our leg and we sit like this in church. But guess what? The Bible says demons, they believe in God and they tremble. They have more reverence for the presence of God than you and I have. So the proof of your belief is not that you, you, you know a lot of things. The proof of your belief is how much? is the thing that you believe affecting your lifestyle? How much is it affecting the words you speak? How much is it affecting your relationships? How much is it affecting the way that you do your life from Monday to Saturday? So it's not just believing in Him but what does it say? Everyone who lives in Him. In me. In other words, it says, you need to believe in what I say, you need to believe in me, believe in my voice, believe in what I'm telling you and you need to live in me. Wow, that, that is what we are in pursuit of, right, in this season. We are in pursuit of living in him, living in his presence. The psalmist said it like this, those who dwell under the shadow of the Almighty, those who are under the covering of his presence, those who have taken their refuge in His presence, they they will never have any harm being done to them. And so, you know, so often we are those people that are asking, you know, God to come and protect us, God to come and be with us, God to come and, you know, do something. But But can we in this season go where He is? Can we go to that secret place? Can we, you know, just for some time instead of just saying God come into my mess and help me why don't you go out there why don't you leave whatever you are attached to whatever you are so used to whatever you are familiar with and why don't you go and be with him why don't you go it says those who those who are in me and believe in me it says they will never die they will never die wow see see What what the Lord is releasing this morning is a secret of how we can give birth to ministries, we can give birth to families, we can give birth to uh, companies, we can give birth to organizations, to movements that will never die, that will carry the resurrection power, that will carry the DNA of Jesus. The DNA of Jesus never dies, right? That will carry the DNA of Jesus. And that will happen when we learn to live in him live in Jesus live in his presence and believe in him believe in what he says believe in what he speaks amen our ability to host God's presence is limited to what we believe what we confess and what we know so if if we If we don't believe the right things about God, if we don't confess the right things and if we don't know the right things, then that will limit our ability to host the presence of God. In fact, Jesus would tell this to Martha and said, do you believe this about me, Martha? I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And if you live in me and if you believe in me, you will never die. Do you believe this about me, Martha? What Jesus was giving her was a key that Mary did not get. See, when Mary came, the Bible says Jesus wept. When Mary came, Jesus got angry. When Mary came, Jesus just rose Lazarus from the dead. But with Martha, Jesus gave her some keys. Because here was a person who was willing to believe. Here was a person who was willing to trust Jesus. Here was a person who was willing to pursue Jesus in spite of unanswered prayers and unanswered questions. And the Bible says... Jesus gave her these keys. Let's let's jump forward to John chapter 14. Okay? I'm just gonna quickly take you through a few more scriptures before we finish. Read it with me. One, two, three, go. Is in me. The words that I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work. Through me. This is Jesus teaching his disciples and he's saying, don't you believe this? You need to believe this. What should you believe? You should believe that I am in my father and my father, he is in me and the words that I speak, they are not just my own. They are not just my words. They are not just what I feel like. They are not just what I believe. They are the words that the father who lives in me he is speaking those words and because of which those words are now producing works it says that the father who lives in me does his work through me so what jesus is saying is these words that i'm speaking don't just you know for, uh, just don't just think that these words are empty words these words have power why Because I live in my Father, and my Father lives in me, and because of which these words that I speak, these words has the power to become works. That's why it says, it's the Father who lives in me, who is doing his works through me. Now it's no longer just words, now these words are becoming works, See, this work is what will bring glory to God, right? See, when, when Lazarus rose up from the dead, it brought glory to God. When people saw that, when people heard the prayer Jesus prayed, that brought glory to Jesus. And Jesus is saying here, see, this is the key. The Father living in me and me living in the Father and the words that, he, that I speak, These words are not just my own, but it is the Father's works that are flowing through my life. So can it be that you and I can reach a place where we can pursue such deep intimacy with God, such deep close relationship with God, such deep level of pursuit of His presence where every word that you speak will reflect the heart of God. Every word you speak will reflect what God is doing in our lives. And that word, when it comes out of your mouth, it will not just remain as a word, but it will go out and produce the work that the Father wants to do. So when we speak a word, you have, to, you have to be very careful about the words you speak. When you say, oh, I wish this happens to him, I wish this happens to me, Is that something that is inspired by the Father who is living in you? Is that something that is inspired by the presence of God that you are living inside? If it is, then that word will not just remain as a word. That word will produce life. That word will become works that the Father is doing through you. You and I, we we may think that just pursuing the presence of God is the end in itself. It is, in a way, it is the end in itself. Being in the presence of God is the end in itself. But I'll tell you something. Anybody who who pursues intimacy will also produce fruit. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you are intimate, if a man and a woman become intimate, what happens? There is a child that is born out of that intimacy. There is a work that comes out of, there is a visible result of that intimacy. So it is not possible that we can be intimate with God and nothing real, tangible, sustainable thing be born. That It has to happen as a natural result of our intimacy with God. Works has to be born. Fruitfulness has to come. And Jesus says, hey, this this is my key. You want to know my secret i live in my father and my father lives in me and the words words that i speak i i i don't let my words be just my words but my words are what my father is working and speaking through me so now he's telling the disciples okay now just believe that i am in my father and the father is in me Or at least believe because of the work that you have seen me do. See, if you don't see where I'm coming from, at least see the result of my life. And then you believe that I am in my Father and that my Father is in me. Because this is the key. This is the secret. If you can get this, my dear disciples, you will get my way of doing things. If you will believe this. Because if you believe it, you will walk that lifestyle. And if you will walk that lifestyle, you will, you will have the fruits. You will have works that reproduce that same lifestyle. That will represent that same lifestyle. Then he goes on to say, Hey, or at least believe because of the work that you have seen me do. Next verse, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. And even and even greater works, because I am now going to the Father. So, so what Jesus is saying is, hey, now you who believe in me, you who want to live with me, now you will produce the same works that I have done, and even greater works. How? Intimacy produces fruitfulness. Intimacy is not the, not, you know, sometimes we, we idolize intimacy, and we think that this is it. No. Intimacy will have to naturally produce fruitfulness. And if we are pursuing the presence of God without a revelation of who this God is, what He can do in us, then we will, receive, we will remain barren. Then we will remain fruitless then we will remain childish. But when we pursue the presence of God and we know who He is, we know He is the resurrection and the life. And with that knowledge, we pursue the presence of God, automatically resurrection life will be produced through our words and that words will become works, that works will become greater works. And the Bible says, and as a a result of it, you can ask for anything, the next verse, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. So so this is the ultimate result. So you can, you and I, we can bring glory to the Father. See, bringing glory to the Father is, is not just singing songs about Him. We think, oh, I'm bringing glory to the Father by singing song but if you see jesus did not bring glory to the father among the disciples he brought glory to the father among people that didn't believe about jesus that didn't believe about god that didn't really know the way of god those are the people among whom jesus brought glory to the father and for that glory to come there had to be works that will be shown, greater works that will follow so that that glory can be revealed, so that that glory can be shown out. And the Bible says, if you ask in that place of intimacy, in that place where you are in me and I am in you, and the words that you speak are not yours it's God's words that you're speaking. When you're in that place, the Bible says anything that you ask in that place, you yes, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Come on, read this with me. Intimacy always leads to fruitfulness. And it's the fruitfulness that takes us, that brings Him glory. Do you understand the pattern that I'm trying to build here? We we pursue the presence of God, we pursue intimacy with a revelation knowledge of who God is, with a revelation perspective of who He is and in that intimacy we produce fruit, we produce works, that works become greater works, that greater works will bring glory to God through our lives. So intimacy has to produce fruitfulness and fruitfulness has to bring glory to God. I'd like to read uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 onwards. I know the whole of last year, this was our benediction, right? I hope that you know this by heart by now. But uh, if you don't, you can still read it with me. It says, Christ. Jesus Christ. He's the, he's the visible image of the invisible God. See, the, see, the reason I'm, I'm saying it's so necessary that we understand this is because we are going to study we are going to read in a bit What Christ is Doing okay, In us okay, So because of that Be very careful Now we are not just Studying about what Jesus is, Who Jesus is Because if we have a revelation knowledge Of who Jesus is That same can be reproduced in Us Okay So now read it Okay, Christ He is the Visible, visible image Of the Invisible God. In other words, can I, I'm just going to be scandalous here and I'm going to say this like this, that if, if somebody has seen you, they have seen the visible image of the invisible God. Because now you, you understand what I'm trying to tell, tell you here, okay? Resurrection power, Jesus' resurrection and life. If you believe in me, that same resurrection will flow through you. See, Jesus is telling this to Martha, not to Lazarus. Jesus is telling this to Martha, saying, Hey, I know you don't need resurrection in your body, but do you believe, Martha, that I am the resurrection and the life? Because if you believe, you can reproduce the same in you. It will bear fruit in you. If you believe in what I am saying, you will also, you can ask anything in my name, and the Father will give it to you. And you will do greater works than this. And those works will bring glory to God. Amen? Now, who is Jesus? The Bible says Jesus Christ, he is the visible image of the invisible God. Okay? We, we're getting into a revelation of who Jesus is. It says he existed before anything was created. And he's supreme over all creation. He, he's somebody who is seated above everything. Nothing is outside his control. Nothing is outside his dominion. Nothing is outside his uh, say. If he says so, it shall be so. That is what Jesus is. The next verse. For through him, God created, God the Father created through Jesus everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made things that we can see and things that we cannot see. What are the things that we cannot see? Things such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Every single thing. Things that we can see and things that we cannot see. Who who created all of them? Jesus, right? He is the visible image of the invisible God. He is supreme. He is He's the creator, he, through Him, God created everything that we can see and we cannot see. And some of those things are thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. And it says, everything was created through Him and it was created for Him. So, not only was it created through Him, it was also created for Him. So everything that we do in our life, our fruitfulness cannot be for our benefit. You cannot say, oh, I want to be fruitful so that I get to do what I want to do. No, no, no. Your fruitfulness is also for him. Read on the next line. It says he existed before anything else. And what does he do? And he holds all creation together. Come on. This is the revelation of who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is. You know, you you cannot limit Jesus to some nice teacher and and, uh, and religious person that came to, uh, you know, heal the sick and raise the dead and do a few miracles and go, no, no, it says he existed before anything else. Before Abraham was, I am, Jesus said. Before the heaven and the earth was created, I was with my father. And he holds the whole creation together. The reason we can... Sit on this chair and in this building safely is because he's holding this creation together. He's holding it. Don't for a moment think that it is the cement that is holding this building together. He's the one holding the whole creation together. The next verse. This Jesus, he's not only holding the whole creation together, he is also the head of the church. Are you in the church today? So who is the head of this church? Jesus is the head of the church. Who sustains? Who gives directions? Who, who runs everything in your body? The head does, right? And so in this church, in, in, the, in your respective churches, the church of Jesus, who is the head? Jesus, he is the head. And the church is his body. Go on. It says, he is the beginning. Come on, read it loudly. He is the beginning and he is supreme over all who rise from the dead. So there are many who will rise from the dead, but he is the first to be risen from the dead. First to be risen from the dead. Wait a minute. Didn't Lazarus rise before Jesus? How come? Is there a contradiction? Okay. Come on, more revelations. Lambda was slain before... What else? What else? Come on. He's outside of time. Yes. Because everybody else that rose again, no? It was temporary resurrection. They all died after they rose. Like Lazarus is not alive now. Come on now. There's only one person who rose again to never die again. And you and I will also inherit that same resurrection. That's why the Bible says he's the first. Lazarus was not the first. You know, Elisha, Elijah, when they wrote, that's not the first. Jesus was the first to rise again, to never die again. Amen. He's the first. It says he's supreme because he is the first of all that would rise from the dead. And he's the first in everything. In everything, he's the first. Now, this is powerful, okay? Now the Bible says... For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to do what? To live in Christ. In all his fullness. Not 10%, not 20%, the fullness of God. The 100% of God, the Father, lived where? In Christ. That's why, you know, so we, we, we are getting a revelation of who Jesus is. What, is, what did we read? He's the one through whom everything was created. He's the supreme. He's the one who is the head of the church. He holds all things together. He's the one who created what can be seen, what cannot be seen. Everything was created for him and through him. Here is the biggest qualification about Jesus. God the Father in all his fullness chose to, was pleased to live in Jesus, in Christ. And through, through him, through Jesus, what did God do? He reconciled everything to himself. He made peace, everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Are you ready for the next one? This is, this is something that will help you. It says, now, this is who Jesus is, Right? We just read who Jesus is. Now the Bible says, For now God wanted them or us, you and I, to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you. God wanted you to know that all of that Jesus is, is for you. It's available for you. They are for you. God, you know, the fact that Jesus is supreme, he He is creator, He is in control of everything. Bible says, God wants you to know that all the glory and all the riches of Christ is all for you. Are you ready for the next line? It says, and this is the secret. Are you ready for the secret? This Christ, we read the description about Him. This Christ who is Supreme, who is the first to rise from the dead, who is the the one holding everything together. It says, this is the secret. This Christ now lives in you. Wait a minute. I just read something. I read that the fullness of God lives in Christ. Now, that Christ lives in you. It says, this, what does it say? This gives you an assurance that you are also going to share His glory. Christ in me is our hope of glory. Christ's presence, His presence in me. That is the assurance. That is the the seal that you and I will experience the glory of God. We will walk in the glory of God. We will live for the glory of God. We will do things that will bring glory to God. It's the presence of Christ in me. And because of that, there are things that are that you have never thought is possible, which will become possible. Because now you're not just seeing yourself as, okay somebody who's had this mental sickness for three years, somebody who's had this bad marriage, somebody who's had this financial debt, somebody who's had this problem in these, these areas of my life. No. Now I see myself as somebody who is intimate, who is in a Christ and who, in whom this Christ lives. And this is the Christ who holds everything together, who is shifting kings, kingdoms, thrones, throne rooms, everything. For me The riches and the glory of Christ Is for us Is for you And this riches and this glory of Christ It now lives inside you That is the assurance Of God's glory The assurance that you and I Will take part in His glory Romans chapter 8 You know the Paul would give us this uh, This practical application He would say Guess what? And now Christ, because He lives in you, even though your body will die because of sin, okay, there is a sin, you know, because of which COVID is spreading. There is sin because of which people are dying. There is sin because of which there is poverty. There is still sin in the, our land because of which there are problems, challenges, issues, divisions, all of that happening, right? And eventually, if the Lord doesn't come before that we will all eventually physically die. It says, even though our body will die because of sin, the Spirit, He gives you life because now you've been made right with God. He gives you life. Verse 11, it says, the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, what does He do? He lives in you. Christ lives in you. The Spirit of God, He lives in you. This resurrection power that brought the physical body of Jesus out of the grave. That same presence, that same power, now He lives in you. And what is He doing? And it says, just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, now what will He do? Now He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit that is living in in you. The same Spirit, the same grace. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, now that lives in you. Now that lives in your hands. That's in your cell, in your organs. That, that power is breathing and living in you. Whatever, whatever, whatever you're looking for, whatever answers you're looking for, it's already inside you. You don't have to go looking outside. I'm not saying you don't need help from the others, from others. If you need to go to a doctor, you can If you need to go to a counselor, you can But the power is already inside you The answers is already inside you The solution is already inside you We are talking about hosting God's presence I'm telling you this is the heights Where, the, where, Jesus, where God says The fullness of God That lives in Christ Now lives in you And Paul says, Paul would add this And he says, this is the secret, this is a mystery That is Christ in you the hope of glory. That Christ, He lives in you, which is the assurance that you will share His glory. So this morning, I want to declare this, that because that same resurrection power, see, what am I doing when I'm teaching you these things? I'm giving you a revelation of who God is and what God can do in your life. Now, from Monday to Saturday, you will see some practical applications of that revelation. Now, from Tomorrow onwards, starting from today, I want you to go out there and exercise this revelation, exercise this authority, exercise this grace and you will see things that you have never dreamt possible. You will see it come to pass because there is power in your words. You remember when you live in Him and He lives in you and the words that you speak, that words will become works, that works will become greater works and that will produce the work of God, that will produce the move of God and that will bring glory first to God and be ready because God is about to glorify some of you. God is about to put a spotlight on some of you. Before that happens, you have to die to yourself because when that happens, when that spotlight falls on you, if you have not died to yourself, it's a very, very dangerous place. You will, you will begin to enjoy that glory and take it all in instead of laying that crown back at the feet of Jesus. But you have, to be, you have to be ready for that. You and I, we are going to be partakers of the glory of God. You and I, we are going to be partakers of encounters. You and I, we are going to be partakers of a revival. We are going to be partakers of a move of God, of a work of God. You know, this week, I want you to, by faith, go start, you know, looking for areas and opportunities, identify opportunities for God's glory when you go to work. You know, don't, don't just say, God just solve this problem. Instead say, Christ now lives in me. The power, the fullness of God now lives in me. And I've been walking with him. He has been walking with me. And now I can speak a word. That word that I speak, it can produce power. It can produce a change. And that change will bring results. You know, I'll tell you this. Most often than not, this power will work when you when you try to help somebody else than when you try to do it for yourself. Okay? Try this out, okay? Try for try praying for somebody else's healing. Try praying for somebody else's financial breakthrough. Try praying for somebody else's you know, blessing. And you will see the hand of God come through for you. Come through. Showing the glory of God, showing off God's glory and His power through your life. Come on, lift your hands. Let's pray together. Thank you for downloading today's sermon. We hope this ministered to you and your family today. Connect with us at dreamingrevival.com and you are welcome to join in to any of our Sunday celebration services at 11am. Or you can tune in to our live stream at youtube.com slash God bless you and have a blessed week.